Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. That's, that's a good point, to be obedient. because And that seems like a simple thing, but think about the faith they had to have because it wasn't raining when they went up into the mountains. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God. And then they cry out in prayers or supplication uh, for God to save them. And he sends a deliverer and they are saved. And then for a while, they worship him faithfully, you know, for a number of years. Uh, but what happens, which is why, you know, we always say testimonies are so important, uh, is that they forget. Now, they may not physically not remember, but they don't remember with an understanding to keep them. Uh, where they are in serving and worshiping God. So they forget all the things that God has delivered them from and how faithful he's been to them. And they forget that he tells them that, you know, that he is a jealous God and he wants them to only serve him. And so when they forget, they stray away and they fall back into that pattern of sin uh, where they start to take up with the uh, other uh, religions that are around them, they start to worship false gods and, and they start intermarrying uh, with people that are worshiping idols and they start to worship those idols as well. So they fall into sin and the process repeats itself. They, they sin, then they become enslaved uh, by the other um, countries, nations that are around them. And then after a period of enslavement, um, they cry out to the Lord for deliverance because they remember that God can, in fact, deliver them, that they don't have to live this way. And so they cry out prayers and supplication for deliverance, and God raises up a judge, and they're delivered, and then the process sort of repeats. Um, now, on the outside looking in, when we look at this, you think, well, after a while, it looks like they just get it, right? But when we think about in our own lives, how many times have we been going along the path just fine? You know, we, we are, we, our relationship with God is just right on the money. Uh, you know, we are you know, with him. We are in prayer. Uh, we are hearing his voice. We are asking him for guidance and direction. Uh, what do you want me to do in, in my life? I want to do, you know, I want to live a life that's pleasing you. And things are going well. And then we get sidetracked, right? We start looking at somebody else thinking, well, they got it a little bit better or a little bit you know, easier or that looks like something I may want to try. And so we end up, you know, just sort of wandering over. And it's a process. Uh, you, we end up wandering over there and we get caught up in something that we had no business getting caught up in. And, you know, then here come the consequences. Um, you know, like when you go in to some of these um uh, places where you know you're going buy here, pay here, kind of places where sometimes the interest is a little bit high, but you you're lured in because it, the, the stuff is so pretty, isn't it? Always so pretty, and look like it would meet your need. And they are saying, doesn't matter how much money you have, whatever you can have it right now. We all get caught up in the right now, and so then we get out there and we get it, and then once we get it back home, after a couple payments. And a couple more payments, and you realize, like, I'm gonna pay this thing forever. And then you pull out the paperwork and you see, I guess I am gonna be paying for this thing forever. And that's when the consequences hit us, 
right? And we've become enslaved uh, by that decision that we've made. And then we cry out, help me, Lord, please, if you get me out of this thing, uh, help me get this debt paid off. I won't jump back in a debt situation again or this sinful situation again. And God will, he's always faithful. He will open up a door um, and he will deliver us. Just like, you know, in the children of Israel, he will deliver us from things. And then, and things will go smoothly for a while. And then in our own lives, we can see how after a while, you look back and you think, I'm in this mess again. How did I get in this mess again? So that's what we're learning about in the book of Judges, how we're following uh, the nation at this point seeing how they physically keep getting, you know, themselves in these situations. Um, and so that is what's happened when we pick up in chapter four that we've, we've sort of, we're at the end of, of one of the, we're at the beginning of one of these cycles and we're going to see uh, how God delivers him. Now the players in chapter four, and we're going to listen to it. And I do want to, of course, give you the little warning. Uh, this is PG 13. So it's a little uh, graphic because it is a time of battle. So things go on in battle that would not as necessarily go on uh, in everyday life. So I don't suggest you go out and try to handle any of your problems in the way that this particular uh, thing is going to be handled. But some of the players you need to think about uh, is in chapter four, we have Jabin, who's the king of Canaan. And he is the one uh, that is has been uh, over the children of Israel. He's been, uh, they're ruling over them. It's been about 20 years of harsh oppression. Uh, now, you know, harsh oppression, you know, we think about sometimes things, we're in situations where we're a little bit uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable is not the same thing as being oppressed, okay? When you think about, even when you hear the word oppressed, when you just like somebody squeezing the life out of you. So this has been going on for about 20 years. Uh, Sisera is the captain of his army. Uh, now this is uh, a well-maintained military force. You'll hear where it talks about they have 900 chariots of iron. Uh, now that's a big deal back then to have chariots of iron. So like if you were uh, going up against somebody with a fleet of tanks and all you have uh, is one shotgun. That's that you feel oppressed, right? I would feel oppressed if I was looking down uh, a sea of tanks and all I have to defend myself is me and my buddies and we each got one pistol apiece. <laughs> all right. So when you sort of see how things line up. So and then on Israel's side, we have the judge has been raised up. Her name is Deborah and she uh, would sit out under this tree and the, the people would come to her for wisdom. Uh, for her to judge, for her to, to give them instruction and uh, in what God was telling them to do. So she was a prophetess and she would come and they would, you know, come to her when they needed the word of the God. Uh, Barak is um, the commander, <clears throat> excuse me, of the um, children of Israel's military forces. Now they had what we would consider a militia. Meaning that when there was a time to, uh, of war, when fighting needed to be done, each of the tribes, remember we talked about the different, the 12 tribes, each of the tribes would send uh, sons to go to battle. Now that's different from a standing military. Now in our country, we have a standing military. We have people that join the armed services. Uh, they are in there during times of peace, as well as in times of war. Um, they are trained. This is their life. They know, you know what needs to be done so that in moments notice if we have to they have to be deployed somewhere they already know what to do they have the weapons they know the protocol they know a militia 
You've got people that are somewhat trained, but the military is not their life. They have a life. They're farmers or, you know, shepherds or whatever. But when there's a conflict that arises, you give them a call, they all come running. Now, as you can tell, there's going to be some weaknesses in that that's going to be different from a standing army. So that's what the nation of Israel has. They have an infantry, uh, their own foot, foot, you know, foot soldiers and their militia. And they're going to be commanded by Barak during this particular time. And then we're going to have, you're going to hear about a woman named J.L. Okay. And um, so, you know, she's going to be sort of over here. She's kind of almost like a neutral party uh, between the two. Uh, her husband, they're of the household, they're descendants of uh, Moses's father-in-law. So they are, have some Jewish heritage, uh, but they are in a place where they are at peace. They have, you know, sort of peace agreement between their people and, uh, King Jabin, right? So they are not directly involved in the conflict that's going to take place. But, um, just like we can see, you know, around us, you may not be directly involved in a conflict, but you could still be affected by the outcome. Right. You may not it may not be your country warring against another country. And we can see how when our country sometimes when people say, why the U.S. always stepping in if it has anything to do with us, it may not have something to do with us directly. But if, you know, the wrong person wins in a battle, everybody's going to feel, you know, the pain of that. All right. So those are the players that are involved. So if you kind of keep those in mind and then we're going to at this time, we're going to turn our attention to uh, Judges chapter four. When Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. All right. All right. So we see here, um, as we were talking about the differences in the uh, armies as they're going to battle, uh, when it talks about uh, King Jabin, again, there are 900 chariots. Now, that wasn't the full extent of the army, but you've got 900 uh, chariots of iron and you've got and you think, all right, well, you know, 900 chariots, we've got 10,000 men, but you got 10,000 men on foot that don't do military as a regular basis and they have very little weapons uh, because you remember we talked about before part of what would happen uh, when they were they were being oppressed um, you know by this king and so anything that was considered you know weapons would be taken from them so you know they still had a kind of makeshift weapons but we all, as we know, you hear the scripture, but sometimes we forget that, you know, greater is he, you know, that is in us, right? When God is for us, who can be against us? And so you take well, sort of like this band of, of men, but God has this beautiful strategy because now I don't know if you've ever been in a chariot. I've not been in a chariot. If you've ever been in a horse drawn carriage or wagon, but in the area where they were fighting, there was the uh, mountain, mountainous area, sort of rocky mountains, and then there was the flatland. Now, where do you think the chariots and the horses are going to be better able to maneuver? Flatland. In the flatland, right? 
And so where do you think the little spindly men that have been working in their fields and doing whatever are going to be better able to maneuver? In the mountains. And in, this area is familiar to them. So God gives them a brilliant strategy. But you see how they wait on the voice of the Lord because Deborah, who's a judge at the time, she calls uh, Barak the commander and she says, this is what you need to do. This is what God is telling us to do. So the first thing we need to do before we go out into battle, it doesn't matter how badly oppressed you are or how long you've been oppressed, before you start rising up against the enemy with his 900 chariots, you better one first have a word from God that this is the time to do it. Otherwise, you're going to be beat badly and it's going to be worse for you. So when we cry out to the Lord, we we know that he's going to deliver us. But before we act, we need to make sure that we've gotten a word from him as to when we need to go. Now, he would have been foolish to say, well, I ain't hearing from no woman. God can speak through anybody, as we will learn if you have not already read that passage where he spoke to one man through his donkey. Now, be open. You remember we've prayed before, Lord, please, you know, uh, you know, anoint my ears or attune my ears to wisdom that I may hear it no matter the source. You can get wisdom from anybody. They don't even have to be a wise person to say some wise words occasionally, right? Um, as uh, Elder Ware's teacher used to tell her, if you throw enough mud against the wall, eventually something's going to stick. If somebody lives in the world long enough, they're going to pick up some little nugget of information that may be of value to you. So don't ever discount um, wisdom because you don't like the mouth it's coming from. That's a side point. A little extra. Amen. Okay, and so uh, the Lord is, is speaking through Deborah, and she's you know called the, the commander of the military, and she's telling him, okay, this is the time you need to go up. This is this is the time to act. And so they they're out there, and God, like I said, just has a brilliant strategy. So they're up in the mountains. But, but still, even, you know, with the sort of tactical advantage up in the mountain, you still got this army and these chariots coming after you and you've got very few uh, weapons to defend yourself. But what we found out, and you kind of have to read ahead in chapter five. Chapter five, uh, we're not going to listen to it today, but chapter five is a song of praise um, from Deborah and Barak. And they are just like a worship, praising the Lord, you know, and they sort of recount things that went on in the battle. So what happens is they are near a river and it rains and it rains and the river starts to overflow. And so here you have the children of Israel up in the mountains and you have what in the flatland? You've got iron, heavy chariots. And now what happens when things, when, when dirt gets wet? Mud. Now, I don't know how quickly you can move through the mud, but I imagine if you've got an iron chariot and it's got, you know, the wheels and whatever traction it has. So then they're in some problems. And you've got, you know, these men coming from the mountains and attacking and you're down here with all this fighting power and you can't do anything with it because it's not it's not right now. It's a burden to you. And so the, the army is like, you know, oh, my God, they're in a panic. You know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Lose is what they're going to do. <laughs> and so the battle goes on. And then, you know, so the, the children of Israel come in and they're and they're victorious and they're able to, you know, fight the men. Now, the captain of the army of Captain uh, Sisera, 
of Jabin's army. Now, to be the captain of mighty warriors, you should be on top of things. Now, of anybody leaving, we wouldn't imagine that this man jumps off his chariot and takes off on foot to get away. Now, that's a sign that things have gone terribly wrong. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if I'm in the army and I'm fighting and I look and the captain's headed for the hills, that's a sure sign. If you weren't already faint of heart, then that's really going to tell you, know, we have lost this thing. <laughs> there is no hope because he's supposed to be better than all of us. And he is running off. And that's what he does. He runs off uh, and he's, you know, he's afraid, he's tired, he sees that they're losing. Um, and so he flees. And, um, you know, this has got to be quite embarrassing to him because he's supposed to be big stuff. And so he runs uh, to J.L.'s tent. Now, remember, we, I told you who she was. Um, her husband uh, is at peace with the king uh, over Canaan. So at jail, although this is uncommon, you wouldn't just go running into, you know, a married woman's tent, just like now, you, you know, men, you don't just go running, you're fleeing for your life, just don't go running into you know, a woman's house. You know, there's you know, propriety for reasons here. But she stands outside the tent and she, you know, so she, when, when she sees him uh, running and afraid, she's got to know, hey, the army must, they must be losing. So what good is it to have, you know, a treaty with the losing side? Right? So, so here we have some wisdom again. So, yes, you're at peace with this king, but this king is about to lose. And, you know, what good is that peace going to do for you to be, you know, joined with him? And so she's, she goes outside her tent and she goes, you know, remember I told y'all about y'all have to be careful about women and people waving you in. So she comes to the tent and she says, Come on in. Right? I'm telling y'all that you just make this, just think she's holding the scarf. Come on in. And he's afraid and he's thinking, okay, well, you know, they're at peace uh, with the king. So this is, this is a friend. This is a safe place. So, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to be careful of what you consider a safe place. Not every place may be a safe place. That's right. <clears throat> excuse me. And not every person that you, that you may think is an ally, is your ally during times of war. You have to be mindful of that. And so he comes in and he asks her for something to drink. You know, he's weary, uh, he's thirsty, you know, been in battle. And she says, you know, come on in. She gives him, you know, milk, um, you know, which is more costly item than water, you know, out the well. So she gives him some milk uh, to drink. She tells him, you know, go lay down and rest. She covers him with a blanket. You know, he's got to be thinking, oh, this is just wonderful hospitality. You know, I can rest. I don't know what all this crazy has been going on, but you know, we'll be okay. And then he tells her, if any man comes by looking, just Tell him I'm not here, right? You haven't seen me. I'm not here. Uh, now, the thing about is uh, with the tent peg, you all know what a tent peg is. Now, not like the little pop-up tents that we have. They've got those little, you know, little metal uh, little stakes that you put in the ground. You know, a little bit of thing. You can push them down with your foot, pull them up with your hand. That's not the content peg we're talking These are tent pegs, the big iron nail that was used to hold up serious tents that people lived in, not just sitting to, you know, get sun off your eyes at the festival, but this was something people lived in. And uh, during this culture, in this particular time, the women were the ones who put up the tents. So she was familiar with the process and the peg. And so 
that's when she does what needs to be done. I don't think we have to review that part again. But she takes him out in quite a creative way. Okay, and and so Deborah, at the you know you know sort of back up just a little bit when she tells Barak that it's time to go in and time to go to battle, um, he says, "Okay, I'll go, but only if you go with me." Now he's the commander of the army. We don't want to assume that he's like, "Oh, I can't believe he wouldn't go because the woman wouldn't go." Well, you have to look at you know a couple of things. Now, she wasn't just the woman; she was the prophetess. She carried the word of God. Now, if I'm going into battle and you've told me God has given me some instruction, I know and they know that when they get into battle, sometimes God continued to give instruction. It was more than just go. Because after we get out there, then you're like, okay, now what, Lord? You said go, I'm here. So he wanted to make sure that, you know, I guess maybe he didn't figure he would be able to hear from God clearly once he got out there. So he's like, okay, God is speaking through you. So you just stay right here with me. Because when we get out in the thick of things, I need to make sure that I can still hear the word from God. So that could have been one reason why he said, I'll go, but only if you go with me. And some of us may want to take on, um, you know, sort of like that attitude. If you if you can't hear from God or if you're not confident you can hear from God, then perhaps you want to surround yourself with people that, you know, can so that when things need to be done, if you don't think you can get a prayer through, at least you ought to be able to look to your neighbor and say, hey, you, you want to pray because there's some stuff coming ahead. I realize he said, come on, but do you see that army down there? <laughs> do you see what we're fighting with? Um, and so he tells her, I'll go if you go with me. Now, another reason it could have been that he wanted her to go uh, was that um, not all of the tribes were with him, were willing to send fighters. Now, she had told him he had gone to uh, the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulon, and they had uh, soldiers from there, and some of the other tribes had kind of volunteered. So for political reasons, because going up against the oppressor was going to affect them all. And not everybody was joined with him in agreement and going. So he could have been on the, of the mind where I'm going to take, you know, the prophetess with me so that they will know that I didn't just do this on my own. That I had, you know, her backing that she's the one who said, God said, go. So if this thing don't play out right, don't come at me. Y'all need to come, you know, because she's the one that said go. And so it could have been, you know, for that political reason that he says go. So she says, all right, I'll go with you. But just so you know, you won't be able to claim the victory. The victory is going to be in the hands of a woman. And as we see, it was. Now, you, you, know, you may have right there, you kind of assume maybe it's going to be in Deborah's hands or she's going to be known for it, but it's not. We see an a t- entirely different person uh, that comes in and the victory goes to, to JL. But, you know, if you've been oppressed for 20 years and now you're no longer oppressed, who cares? You know, who gets to be the one who, who you know, puts the... Gosh, nail in the coffin. Who puts <laughs> in there? But you know, you just want it to be done. And so that's what happens. But not just the destruction of the army, because then after that, um, you know, of course, once the king's military is gone, that substantially weakens the king. Um, and so that's what happens. So over time, you know, he's continued to be weakened and the Israelites are, are continued to be strengthened against him. And then they have. What is it? 40 years. The land has rest for 40 years. Now, that's a long time. You've got, you know, this miraculous um, battle that's won. 
because God always did things in a big way with them. And, and so they have this, you know, that they, and they've got the praise song that they're sharing. And so you can share that with, you know, with your kids and your you know, children's children. But, you know, as time goes by, that same cycle will repeat itself in your head. You know, you know, okay, we were having some problems and, you know, God help us to work it out. But, you know, sometimes in our lives, once you get out of the thick of things, sometimes you forget. Like when we look at people that have been in abusive relationships and you, when, when you're on the outside and you look at them and you say, <clears throat> after he, you know, he did beat you up and did all this, why would you go back? So sometimes you kind of forget just how bad things were. Uh, and sometimes as Christians, if you've ever been around, like I, there used to be this lady that you know, we went to church with and all she talked about were most of what her conversation was, was how her life used to be before she got saved. Oh, I had this and I did this and I used to do this and I used to do that. And then she said, well, you know, I'm glad I'm not there anymore because, you know, it wasn't all, you know, but then it's like she just lived in it. You sort of like reliving your glory days. And I think after a while, you know, they forget. Did you, you forgot what it was like to be strung out on drugs? You forgot what it was like to go from man to man to man? In their head, they remember that that's what they did. But in their hearts, they don't remember how they felt when they did it why they wanted to leave it in the first place. And so it kind of gives you, that's what was going on with the nation of Israel. In their head, they remembered. We were oppressed. Things were bad. We cried out to God. He delivered us. We were free. And, you know, now things are great. and We are prosperous. But in their hearts, they kind of forgot that we were oppressed because we allowed ourselves to become enslaved to sin and what that meant. And when you forget in your heart, you go back to that same thing again. You go, because it, it doesn't register anymore. It may in your head, yeah, okay. Because, you, you know, if you ever, you know something, but you don't really know it. You're like, I know if I stick my hand, you know, on this hot stove, it's going to burn me. I know it because somebody's told me that. But then you think, well, maybe it won't really burn the way they say it. <laughs> if I just, just a little bit, just, I just, ooh, the flame is so... Ooh, I, you, know, you, you just want to touch it. And that's what sin does. In your head, you know. People are telling you um, that there's death and destruction. I mean, think about just like with drugs, the lure of drugs. People are telling you the death and destruction that comes. You can, most of us have seen somebody strung out on drugs. And we've, se- we've seen you know, what it does to them physically. You see what it does to them mentally and emotionally. They start making very bad decisions, you know, bad choices. Um, and, and you see the death and destruction all around them. But you've got to know that's not enough. Because if that were enough, after the first couple of generations saw it happen... Drugs wouldn't be a problem anymore, would it? Because we would all see and know, okay, well, there's no point in me going down that road because that's how it's going to end. But when you just see it, but you don't really know it, some people just learn from experience. And so that's what would happen with them. They would have to experience it. All right. Does anybody have any questions? I just have one comment. Yes. Uh, I looked at the malicious people when they was in the mountain. Mm-hmm. It was like all they had to do was to show up. Mm-hmm. Because God had did everything else, you know, the rain and 
I guess I just sort of imagined the banks overflowing and you know, all the mud and all that. Mm -hmm. But you know, it was like they was just sitting there, almost like if you got um, a rat trap, you have a little, little sticky stuff, and mm -hmm. the mice get on that and it's just there, then all you got to do is just really throw it out. So right. I was looking at all these people by trusting God, all they had to do was just show up. And that's the way God has shown me some things in my life. When I prayed for things, mm -hmm. he had taken care of it. And all I had to do was to be there to distribute it out or just pretty much just show up. That's, that's a good point, to be obedient. Yeah. Because, and that seems like a simple thing, but think about the faith yeah. they had to have because it wasn't raining when they went up into the mountains. Right. Right. So when we go, when we hear, that's why it's so important to know that you've heard the voice of God telling you to go, because it may not look easy, um, but just know that he's got your back. And, and that was all they had to do was hear the voice of God, acknowledge, OK, I know this is you speaking to me, gather themselves up, just be, be prepared, go prepared to fight. Um, and we'll see when we talk about Gideon, the angel tells him, go in the strength that you have. That's right. You know, you may not be a mighty, you know, fortress or army or military, but take what you have and go and just get in position and be ready. That's right. And then I'll, I'm going to take care of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's where the faith comes in, is that we have to believe if he said go, that then he's going to take care of us once we get there. Very good point. Thank you so much for bringing that out. Um, I believe. Does anybody have anything else? All right. Well, thank you so much for being a part of our Sunday school class. We will pick up next week with Judges chapter six, and we will be talking about Gideon. So that will be very interesting. I encourage you to read ahead uh, so that, um, you know, it'll mean a little bit more to you if you know a little bit more about what's going on. But thank you all for being part of our Sunday school class. And we're going to consider ourselves dismissed. Well, those of you that are here tonight and those of you that are listening by Wave CD. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, we're going to say this short prayer together. And I pray that if you pray this prayer sincerely, the Lord will hear you and he will answer you. So if everybody here, would you, would you stand with us at this time? And we're going to invite our Savior in our hearts because he loves us. And he is not here to condemn us. He's not here to embarrass us. He loves you. He loves you. And he does not want distance to be between you. So, would you repeat with me? Would you pray with me? And just say, Father, I come to you admitting that I have done wrong. I have sinned. And I have fallen short of your glory. But I've heard that you're a loving God. And that you will forgive me. So now I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I confess Jesus as my master, my Lord, and as my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Live in me. I accept you. And I thank you for accepting me. Now feel me with your precious spirit I thank you Father for saving me in Jesus name Amen Remember if you would like to hear more about our ministry just log on to KingdomRock.org That's KingdomRock.org